Bonanian. There's got to be a reason why it does what it does. You can't give up. You can't stop. And it sometimes it defies logic. And when it defies logic, look, when you eliminate the ridiculous, all that's left is the obvious. I'm your vehicle, baby. The car doctor. You have to yep. do it at specific temperature, so you've got your you've got your scan tool hooked up, looking at trans temp. You've got the vehicle running. You're counting drops. You know, is that? Yep. Let me see. Is that three <laughs> drops per second, or was that five drops yeah, per second? Yeah, no, it's got three, three drops per second. That's ridiculous. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your call at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. Give us a call. Let's talk about your car and its problem. Keep in mind that there is an answering service provided to that 855 number. If you call and we're not on the air, we're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. You can call 855-560-9900. Leave a message and executive producer Tom Ray will call you back and get you in queue for the next live broadcast. Hey, a quick shout out. We are now on the Treasure Coast of sunny Florida at 1590 WPSL in Port St. Lucie. 1590 WPSL, Port St. Lucie, Florida, our newest affiliate to the Growing Car Doctor family, and we want to thank them for carrying the show, and uh, we hope to help solve all the Floridians that we haven't talked to already. We have other affiliates in Florida, but we uh, want to be able to fix everybody's car, so we continue to grow, and uh, by all means, give us a call and uh, let us know how the weather is so we're all jealous um nothing like sunny florida who oranges and grapefruits let's get over and talk to woody in ogdensburg new york and uh see what's going on here woody how can i help what kind of car are you driving yeah good to talk with you Ron. i'm driving a 2009 chrysler pt cruiser uh-oh wait a minute you have a 2009 pt cruiser yeah uh-oh you got to call me back when you get a better car buddy i'm sorry we That's my grandson says too. We we can't we can't do Christ we can't do PT cruisers today. But go ahead. All right, we'll try. Let's see what we can do here. So go ahead. Um, I'm only kidding. I'm glad to talk to anybody about any car, um, even Volkswagens. Yeah. So which uh, yeah. you're 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 one step ahead. So go ahead, Woody. What can I do for you? Well, I've I've only had the car about a month, and a couple days after I got out driving down the road, and all the uh, lights on the dash started flickering real fast, and a speedometer needle was jumping. Uh, Attack needle jumping, the gas gauge needle jumping back and forth like it was going out of style, and the bells were going off, and all of a sudden the car stalled. I pulled over side of the road, and said, "What's wrong?" And I hit the key and took it off and run perfect. This happened. This has happened like probably ten, twelve times since I've had it now in a month. Mm. So it's it's an it's an intermittent operational error on a twelve year old Chrysler. How many miles are on it? Uh, one hundred forty one. Uh, and how much did you pay for it? Uh, two grand too much. Yeah, right. I was going to say. I knew it was two grand. I said. I, I. I said to myself, "This is a two G car." So it runs beautiful, alright. You, you, do you really want to fix this, or do you want me to just tell you to get another car? Tell me what you want, and well, I'll do it for you. Well, I like to fix it if it isn't going to break the bank. Okay, so let's do the easy stuff first. 
So where we're probably headed, based on experience, and you know, I've got I've got too much experience with PT cruisers. I'm telling you, it's it's ten pounds of baloney in a five pound sack. Have you looked under the hood of that car, the way yeah. they, the, the way they stuff the engine in? You know, Nightmare. The, the real thrill of working on that car is when you get to do a timing belt. Oh, boy. It's it's like a religious uh, experience because you're talking to God a whole lot. It's just, you know, you're talking to him about the engineer that designed it. You're talking to him about the way they got the engine sitting in there. You're talking about the parts you have to change. It's 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 like going to church because you're talking to God all day long. Oh so pop the hood. All right, because I'd ask you, you know, if we were in the shop, I'd say, can you have somebody scan it for codes? But I don't want OBD2 codes. I want to look at everything. I want to look for communication faults. I want to look to see, are there any modules reporting uh, conversational errors, communication errors, that type of thing. What's And if you could catch it in the act, which I realize that's like, yeah. you know, trying to get a politician to tell the truth today. Um, it's, it's, diffi- right. it's difficult at best, right? So, yeah. you know, can we, can we sort of jump the gun? If we, if we can pull codes, do we have any communication faults? That might give us some information. I've got a feeling, because the gauges are acting up, the bells are going off, that we're probably going to see communication faults between the TIPM, totally integrated power module, tip them and the instrument cluster all right okay. now that can point to one of two things we we could have a cluster issue which will break the bank or we could have a tip them issue which will break the bank so either one of them is going to be too expensive however the light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a freight train is open the hood go to the driver's side front strut tower you know where the shop okay. comes up it bolts yeah. into the top of the strut yeah yeah. There's there's a ground strap there. G102 is the okay. ground. G102 is the main ground for the totally integrated power module. And what happens, again, here's that religious experience asking yourself, why did the engineer, oh, God, why did the engineer put this here, is that's the main ground for the tip-em. If you're yeah. living in a, in, in, in a high salt, you know, winter snow corrosion area part of the country. That's, us. That's you. Bingo. Ogdensburg, New York. Been there. Been there. Yeah. Done that. Over time, that ground gets corroded. Over time, that ground loosens up. Over time, that ground needs to be cleaned and tightened yeah. and make sure it's a good, secure, clean ground. Try that. But before All you right. do that, before you disconnect that ground, if you can get it scanned first... And yeah. I real I realize that's going to you know involve spending some money, but just understand you know getting it scanned first, getting some knowledge before we start taking things offline, might be to your benefit. But if there's no way it's not in the budget, you want to call the shot, clean that ground, make sure it's good, clean and tight. Voltage, drop it, put a meter across it, make sure it's 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 less than spec, and um, let's see if the car acts up again. All right, but All right. that that would and not be, that would not be an uncommon failure. That would not be an uncommon fault. G one hundred two. PT cruiser. Uh, if, if it if it doesn't work, then I, I try to find somebody to unload it off. Well, if it doesn't work, then <laughs> if it doesn't work, then you've got to go to uh, then you've got to go to you know the the scan tool routine and, and and look to see which module. But beyond that, yeah, yeah then you're into expensive stuff. Yeah. And right. you know it's it's now you know you could always put an ad in the paper and talk about you know a Craigslist thing or or a, or a car sale thing an 09 PT cruiser and you know here's the problem it's got. Trust me, yeah. there's a Chrysler mechanic out there with a checkbook and an ego 
that, that for some reason wants a PT Cruiser? I can fix yeah. that car. Yes, you can. And, uh, you know, he'll buy it from you. You're not going to get your two grand. You'll take a beating. But sometimes the first yeah. beating you take is better than the loss you're going to encounter. So yeah. just remember what Chrysler stands for, Woody, and then I'm going to go. Tell me, what's it stand for? Company highly recommends you start learning engine repair, and I think you're about to. So, oh. <laughs> all right, sir. All right, Ron. Thank you, you, buddy. You take good care. Yeah, that's, you know, PT Cruisers. My gosh, the, the early ones, the, the early ones up through 05, oh, my God, if you did a timing belt, it was a timing belt, sprocket kit, tensioner kit, water pump, and then you had to change the plastic covers because the cheesy plastic covers, the clamshells, they weren't constructed right and they would warp. So, you I mean, you had to strip the whole motor apart. You had to take the air conditioning lines out of the way. And you look at it and you say, uh, you know, why couldn't we just make this fender so I could actually remove it? It would have been easier. I, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's a religious experience because you're you're talking to God and um, you're trying to always do the right thing. But it's it's really it's a it's ten pounds of baloney in a five pound sack. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Running in the car, doctor cruising back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Jim in Central Illinois, you're up next with the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, Ron, uh, this is Jim. My uh, wife is driving a BMW X5 diesel. It's uh, 2014. It just came out of uh, the uh, warranty and maintenance agreement a couple months back. Okay. It's... uh, Got uh, low 50s uh, mileage, runs great. She's averaging 37 miles per gallon. We've had no trouble with the car other than uh, we're coming up on uh, brakes and tires, and I'm not sure what else down the road. So it's do we keep it, invest some money in it, and uh, keep rolling on this thing, or do we think about uh, trading out? Well, you know, the, the real question is, first of all, is Mama happy with the car? Yes, she is. Okay, because if Mama's not happy, nobody's happy. So let's get that let's get that out of the way right up front. So, yeah, by all means. So the next question becomes, who takes care of the car? BMW, or do you have a separate, do you have an independent shop? Or, you know, are you this happy with... This is the best BMW dealership in Illinois is uh, okay. about 10 miles down the road. Then then you've already got the answer to the question. Listen, it's not going to get any cheaper here from this point on to, to maintain the car. It's, it's going to cost you something, right? But sure. Yeah, so, right. So, so is replacing the car. You know, what will, it, what will it cost to replace that car, Jim? 40 grand, 50 grand, uh, more than that. Yeah, north, north of 60. Right. So is it... Is it sixty in one lump, and then the depreciation makes it worth forty after it comes off the lot, and then what do you have, or is it a budget that it's you know it's between tires and brakes you'll probably spend three grand and you know this going to be an expensive year and then maybe there's like some service packages, you've got to do a service on it the next year and that'll be probably eight hundred a thousand bucks heck you can spend eight hundred dollars to service a BMW without breathing hard right. But, right, absolutely. You know, but it's 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 cheaper than sixty, and 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 that becomes the point. Uh, you know, 
they say, and it's still true today, that the average car is between $120 and $130 a month maintenance and repair after it's three and a half to four years old. BMW is not an average car. BMW, you know, it's it's one of the high-line German cars, obviously. You know, they say that they're, they can reach in excess of 200 a month to drive and operate once they're out of warranty. But the thing you have to keep in mind is, what are you putting it up against? All right? You're putting it up against... if Because if you tell me, Ron, if we got rid of this, we're going to go buy another BMW, is, is that a yes or no? That would be a yes. Okay, so... You know, look at all the money you're going to save by fixing this one, right? The insurance is going to be cheaper because it's not new. The the you know the the worry about it in a parking lot and getting dinged and dented. Not that we wish that upon you. The, the stress is going to be lower, and it sounds like you've got a good one, right? It's all it's all kind of broken in because going out to buy a new car doesn't mean you get a new one. It's all so heavily electronic today that you look at it and say. You know, new doesn't mean guaranteed good. And you've got, you've actually got the best thing going for you. You've already said it. Your wife is happy with it, and you've got an excellent repair person. I, you know, hang on to it, drive it. It's, it's a lifestyle. And, and, you know, no matter what you drive, it's a lifestyle. It's a choice. I had a customer this week who was telling me he really can't afford to replace the car. That's why he fixed it. But he insisted. I said, well, if you had to go out and buy another car, what would you buy? And he said, something like this, all-wheel drive, small, and a station wagon, and a stick. And I couldn't help but think he can't afford it, but he still insisted on what he wants to drive because that's his lifestyle. If this diesel fits your lifestyle, drive it, enjoy it, and just you know, bond with the dealer and say, hey, listen, it's your responsibility to take care of it for the next, I don't know, let's give it a time frame, four years? In, in four more years, the car will be nine going on ten years old? And then maybe we'll get rid of it then. You know, maybe we'll get rid of you know, you'll, you'll get tired of it then. But it's still cheaper than sixty, as long as you got the right guy sure. fixing it. You know, and that's sure. that's that's the way I see it. And that's not to say is there an extended warranty policy you can add to the car now at this age, or that doesn't exist. I don't think that exists. If it uh, the last time I did look at that option, though. For one year, we were talking about twenty five hundred. So right, uh, and it ramps up from there. You know the way. The other way to look at this is: let's say you keep the car four years. All right, and maybe I'm wrong, but this is just my way of thinking. In four years, that's twelve thousand a year, right? No, that's more than twelve thousand a year. What am I saying? That's um, that's fifteen a year. You really think you're going to spend fifteen grand a year on maintenance for the next four years? Uh, I would hope not. I would think I would think that's almost imp- well. I won't say it's impossible, but I would think after one year of fifteen, the car is gone, right? Uh, probably. So I, you know, they've got a good track record. They run well. You've got a good guy servicing it, and I can't I can't express that enough. In the hands of a of a good trained technician, um, whether it's a dealer or an independent that speaks BMW per se. Uh, yeah, by all means, it's it's it makes sense. Um, it really does. I I, I I don't see any other way out of this unless you just happen to want to drive a new car, which I understand too. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, I I think we're good with this one. It's got all the uh, the uh, the bells and whistles. Even the safety gear was uh, was exceptional when we got this thing four years ago. It's got the adaptive cruise. Got the heads-up display. Got the lane departure. 
So right, that car, that the way they engineer those, clearly that's at least a hundred and twenty, a hundred and forty thousand mile vehicle. And you've okay. got you've got what mid fifties on it. Right. You got a ways to go. So save, I hope so. Save save your money. Maintain the car. Take your wife on vacation. Go to the islands. Have a good time. All right, we're on our way to the island. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome, sir. You take good care. Well, that's Mikey's looking at me. Mikey, what's wrong with that idea? Right? Just, you know, go out and hang out and, uh, you know, stay nice and warm. Um, let's do a quick piece of email. No, I don't want to do email. I want to talk about this. I've gotten a couple of these. Well, more than a couple. Did anybody see the article in the Times, uh, May 20th? Your car knows when you gain weight. Cars produced today are especially are essentially smartphones with wheels. For drivers, this meant many new features, braking, turn-by-turn directions, infotainment, etc. Today's cars are equipped with telematics. Gee, where have you guys heard that term before? Remember I was telling you about telematics? In the form of an always-on wireless transmitter that constantly sends vehicle performance and maintenance data to the manufacturer, modern cars collect as much as 25 gigabytes of data per hour. 25 gigabytes of data per hour, according to the consulting firm McKinsey as an estimate, it's much more than about performance and maintenance. Cars not only know how much we weigh, but also track how much weight we gain. Remember about a year ago or a year and a half ago, I was talking about how they've got the ability to now to know where you adjust the seat, where the headrest is, with, with cameras and cars. They were talking about, you know, what color clothing are we wearing? They're collecting all this information. And all of a sudden, I'll tell you a quick story. 76 Pontiac Trans Am's in the shop this week, right? And I had to find, this is a story I want to talk about, this repair, uh, over the next couple of weeks. And I, it's a Smokey and the Bandit kind of car. And I had to find a power window switch, right? So I, I, I call up, I go online, I find the switch, I call up the company, Classic Industries, right? I order a switch. That was three days ago. The switch is already here in the car, in the car right? I went on Facebook this morning to do something. There's a Facebook ad from Classic Industries in my Facebook feed, all right, talking about buying power window switches for Pontiac Trans Ams. How weird is that? Your car knows when you gain weight. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. By the way, if you're looking for more information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com, as well as keep in mind we're up on Facebook, Ron and Annie and The Car Doctor, and uh, you can join in and participate there and see what's going on. But uh, by all means, if you need me during the week, um, Ron at cardoctorshow.com. And keep in mind there's podcasting uh, vis-a-vis cardoctorshow.com. You can podcast. There's a tab, podcast tab. Um, if you can't get the live show or you're not into the live stream, which is also at cardoctorshow.com, you can get out to the podcast page over at Spreaker. So lots of ways to listen to The Car Doctor and take The Car Doctor with you. Let's get over and talk to, uh, let's go to Indiana and talk to Patel, 03 Lexus. Patel, how are you this week, my friend? Hey, how are you doing, Ron? I'm doing good. What's going on? I have a 03 Lexus ES300 with 230,000 miles on wait, it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Just broken in. Go ahead. Yes. And uh, I appreciate uh, you teaching me how to do all this uh, in pieces. So 
uh, only thing I got to fix is this uh, noise. So whenever I'm, I'm I'm starting from my driveway, uh, it's having that popping noise. It doesn't come all the time. So and it only happens when I'm going off the driveway or getting a little bit inclined and stop and putting the car under the load right. either taking a left or right turn. You know, body noises or, or, or noises in general at this mileage and age can be tough, but let's just cover it. And, you know, if we were standing at the counter at the shop, I would tell you, let's cover the basics from a safety concern because I'm always worried about something broken, hanging, falling off, and somebody right. getting hurt. The noises don't bother me as much as the safety factor, so I always approach something like this as a safety issue. Obviously, right. the first thing, just to eliminate the obvious, let's go through motor mounts. Put the car, put the car in drive power brake it one foot on the brake one foot on the gas gently try to accelerate bring it up a little bit and does the engine rock and pull hard against the mount could the mount be broken the front motor mount between the engine and the radiator are notorious for breakage on that on that particular car so that's that's one thing obviously do it in drive do it in reverse if you want to have somebody do it and you stand in front make sure they set the power brake or the, I'm sorry the parking brake and you explain to them that they're about to run you over if they take their foot off the brake so there's a danger involved here um, but right. you know you you you, you want to power brake it in gear forward and reverse that's number one number two um, it's going to be a little hard for you because or do you have a lift? You don't have a lift, right, Patel? I don't have a lift. Right. And and the problem is, if you put this car up in the air on a lift where you're, you know, and the front suspension is hanging, now everything is, is at a non-actual um, uh, driving angle, if you know what I'm saying. It's hanging. It's not right. like it is going down the road. So what you could do is, do you own a pair of jack stands? I do. I have four jack stands, okay. so I can put all wheels up. If so if, if we could put all wheels up, but I would put the – you have to be able to put the jack stand in the front particularly. The back, I'm not so, – although you want to look at the back, but we think the noise is from the front. I want to put the jack stand up front under the uh, front control arms as far out to the end as possible. Right. All right. So that I'm, I'm duplicating, you know, the tire. I'm duplicating the, 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 the load that the tire puts on the car. All right. And, right. and and just for giggles, I would I would probably borrow an extra jack stand and stick it in the middle of the car somewhere. Right. Or as a safety because what I'm going to tell you to do, you know, we've got to be careful, all right? Right. When we've got the car level height road load, so to speak, all right? Tires off so we right. can see things, what do we see? All right? If we mm -hmm. if we take the sway bar, sway bar is the long a uh, wishbone-looking bar that runs the width of the car. Let me give you one update. Go ahead. I did replace all the sway bar links. Okay. I did replace all the studs, the quick studs. Okay. And what about what about the rubber bushings that the bar is held in by? No, I didn't change those. Well, and before you change them, if you load everything, does the bar have any lateral movement? Okay. okay. One of the one of the one of the noisiest things on a car is a worn-out stabilizer bar bushing, the rubber bushing that ensconces the bar itself, right. because that bar, right. is a, that bar becomes a giant tuning fork, all right? right. If, it's, if it's got the least little bit of slop in it, it's like, you know, it's, it's like the coyote hitting the stop sign chasing the roadrunner, twang, okay, and it just reverberates right. 
I'm dating myself. Now, to diagnose that, should I take the links off on both sides and then play with the part that way I know? You could. That is a, you know, if, if, you think, right? if, if you think the bar, if you think the links are holding it, it would actually make life a little easier because you, then in that case, if you just disconnected the links and, you know, grab the bar without any load on it, and you could do this at full height now because now it doesn't matter. Can you lift the, the sway bar? Does it have any up and down lateral movement to it that thing it can't move it's got to be tight okay. all right it's got to be tight right now you said you put quick struts in this correct right monroe quick struts yes you got it good good product using myself one of the things i've noticed though one of the downers is i've i found from time to time that i get one where the top nut isn't tight the center nut all right, okay. not the three that hold it to the body, but the center nut that holds the top mount of the strut to the to the shaft of the strut itself. Do you have an Do you have an air air gun, Patel? Or, or I do. Okay, I do. Yeah, I have impact. So with the car sitting on the ground, give it a kiss. Now to get that to get that to get to that upper strut, you're going to have to take the wiper cowl out. Correct. Right. Yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit of work, so you may want to save that for last. But don't be afraid to think, could that nut take a little bit of a kiss and snug up? Right. Uh, you know, does it sound like a strut noise? No, the strut's, I think, solid. But uh, I, after talking to a few of my friends who know a little bit more than me, and they're saying either could be a two things, the ball joint or the axle. Now, the CVXL, there's no leaks, it looks solid, and my ball joints are pretty old because they're like, like factory, 2003. Right. But ball joints are easy to tell if they're loose or not. Load the, sus right. load the suspension, grab the wheel at, at, at 12 and 6 o'clock, and then 9 and 3 o'clock, and rock it in both directions, and there shouldn't be any movement. If, I if, think that's what I'm going to do first. I never did that test. So right. I think I should do the ball so you, joint test that way. I can eliminate that. Right. You can do that. You can check the top of the strut if you want to go in that direction. And then last, right. last, the cradle bolts, the four bolts that hold the cradle to the body itself. The cradle's, uh -huh. the, the cradle's that big steel piece up front that hold the engine and the transmission in as an assembly. Right. That has four, you know, each, each corner has a rubber mount. That mount can be worn out. That bolt could be loose. Again, either air gun or if you've got a, a breaker bar, a decent-sized half-inch uh, breaker bar, let's give it a yeah, snug. Let's just see. Does, mm -hmm. is, does one tighten up more than the other? And I wouldn't be surprised, 18, 19 years old, 200-something thousand miles, that we're going to find one that's, yeah, they've, the bolts have stretched. Things have backed out by now. I'm sure there's a bunch of potholes out in uh, Indiana that, you know, have uh, have, have blessed right. the car. And, you know, so where, where that to mount, uh, Ron, I can find the one you just described? With the, the, the mounts the, are in each yeah. corner of the cradle. Okay. That steel cradle is held in by, that you know, that rubber mounts, the, the, isol the insulator. And then last, the last thing I want you to look at is look at the lower control arm. The front bushing is important to look at. It's 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 a um, it's an oblong shaped uh, long bushing mount horizontally, but the rear cross mount. I'm sorry, the rear lower control arm bushing. It's a circular bushing with the bolt coming in from the bottom. That bushing right. generally gets stretched and pulled apart, 
and that's been known to allow the control arm to bang. You 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 lift a bang as it as it comes out on a sharp turn, it flexes. So look at that right. rear bushing on the lower control arm. They should both be in the same position. And if one has a little bit more give than the other, don't be afraid to put a pry bar underneath the control arm, wedging the tip of the pry bar between the cradle and the arm. How much driving force does it take to deflect it up? If one feels like it moves more than the other, possibly that rear control arm bushing is soft, and that requires replacing the lower control arm, which at that point you'll end up replacing your ball joints too because they're usually, uh, as an assembly, they're, um, they're sold together. So take a look at those things, Patel, and by all means give us a call if you need more. I'm always glad to help you, buddy. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the of the car doctor. Let's go over to Lynn in Wisconsin. Lynn, you're out with the car doctor. What's going on? Well, I'm thinking about buying a late model Mini Cooper convertible. Okay. And I'm wondering if you had any dealings with those models. I'm not sure exactly what year. I haven't found one yet, but I want to have a late model one that's only maybe two or three years old and probably not no more than 40,000 miles. Yeah. Newer's, and I wonder if you had an opinion of these vehicles. Newer is always better. Less mileage is always better, obviously. Mm. So that being said, who did you plan on having work on it? Um, probably a local uh, mechanic. Uh, maybe uh, if there isn't a dealer here in where I'm at in Wisconsin. So if I did go to any place, the closest one would probably be 100 miles away. Okay. So, but the local mechanics in this area, I'd probably take it to one of them. Okay. So your, your, first, your first thought has to be you've got to go talk to them and, and ask them, even before you ask me, because what I tell you doesn't matter. If they tell you they can't fix it because they don't have the technology, then, you know, you're either going to have to move or, you know, drive 100 miles to get service. So that's that's the first question, because now, no matter how much you like it, it's sooner or later it's going to need service and repair. And, right. and, and I'm of the mindset that either the shop works on the whole car or nothing at all. So, you know, when I say they've got to be able to service it, they've got to have the technology to do, you know, the brakes, the tires, the oil changes, and so on, but they've also got to have the ability to do water pumps, thermostats, timing belts if so equipped, clutches, etc. Uh, you know, it's got to be one-stop shopping or within reason. They've got to work on at least 80% of the car because over the course of its life, that's, you know, those are the things that they're going to work on. Now, right. what do I think of the car in general? I think they're fun. Right. I, I think they're, you know, they, they've improved a lot over the early ones. The early ones were not great in my opinion, but something in the last four to five years, it's it's gotten to be a lot better. They've adapted or adopted, so to speak, to the U.S. They've, they've improved the product and the quality is, is evident. But understand that what you're really doing is, and the second time I'm saying this this weekend, this show, is you're buying a lifestyle, right, Len? I mean, it just, it floats your boat. It makes you happy. It's it's so you know you know it's going to cost a little bit more to maintain you're aware of that you know it's going to cost a little bit more to do everything in that car and you're aware of that 
But evidently, at this point in your life, you need a convertible two-seat Mini Cooper to go tooling around town and make you feel good, right? Right. Um, I, I'm a car guy. I like cars. And to me, a car isn't just transportation. It's almost an extension of myself. Right. It's a lifestyle. Yep. I like I like cars. Yeah, what else? And I've had some old cars, and I've had some newer cars. But I just like cars. And if I have one that's going to be, uh, I want something my wife can drive, so I'll probably get an automatic. Right. Otherwise, I would probably get a stick. Well, why she don't like to drive a stick? If you can afford it, get two. Get a his and hers. Well, I don't think I can afford that. Well, you know. Um, get rid of the but, wife and get yourself a stick. No, you can't do that either. You can't afford to do that either. So we'll stay with uh, we'll stay with just one car. Then yeah, even an automatic. But you get the point. They're good cars. It's who's going to work on it. How are they going to work on it? And it's got to be you know you can't just walk in there and say hey can you change the oil? To what level are you? Go- Here's what you want to say. To what level are you guys comfortable servicing a 2017, 2018 Mini Cooper? And see what kind of response you get. Wouldn't uh, you know, like a local Ford dealer or the local Chevy dealer, wouldn't they be able to handle just about anything? Mm, not necessarily. Car dealerships in general are geared towards specific makes and models. Now, if they have a superb used car department, but I'm finding more and more dealers are farming out that used car, or they're not doing extensive work to it like they once did because of the involvement of special tooling. So just just keep that in mind. Do it that way. Call me back if you have any other questions, Len. Good luck in the hunt. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Back. We're running into the car doctor. Wait, wait till the wife unit leaves the studio. So, will we be talking about wives? No, we can't do that. Honest, we really can't. Um, boy, what a quick, what a quick, what a quick two hours this was today. It's like, boy, the show just flies by. I, I want to close with this thought. All right, I want to talk about the snowball effect. And the, the snowball effect. The best way I can tell you this, as it relates to a car, is is, is this. Customer came in this week, 2010 Jeep Wrangler with no brake pedal. First time in. Um, we, we know him from through business dealings, regular guy, and no brake pedal. Brake pedal's right on the floor. And this 2010 Wrangler, it's nine years old now, right? It's got 65, 66,000 miles on it. And we looked at it real quick, and there's no external leaks. There's no leaks anywhere, all right? No loss of fluid, nothing. Everything's good. Everything's dry. But it's got no pedal. The pedal's right down on the floor. One day it was good. One day it was bad. We looked the truck over. It needs four-wheel brakes. The brake pads are really ultra-thin. They're, they're, they're two, three millimeters, which is next to nothing. And it wouldn't really matter if that's the cause of the low pedal or not, which it's not, but the car needs brakes. So the car needs brakes. Now you got to fix the hydraulic problem. We're going to try bleeding it and going through a couple of things we want to check. Could it be a master cylinder and so on? Not uncommon for a bad master on that model car. Not uncommon to be a bad hydraulic control unit. Here's the snowball effect. Here's a nine-year-old car, 66,000 miles, legitimately needs four-wheel brakes, pads, and rotors. Maybe it needs a master. Maybe it needs a hydraulic control unit. If it needs a hydraulic control unit, you're doing a master anyway because you're not pumping dirty fluid back into that clean HCU. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Wow. 